the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Welcome, welcome, welcome on this beautiful Saturday, March 12th, 2022. Uh, we've got a great packed show as usual for you. and uh, But first of all, I want to thank our sponsor, Border Hawk News. If there is anything, anything that you want to know about immigration patterns, about migration patterns, about border crises across the world, not to mention just right here in our own backyard, my friends, Border Hawk News is the place to go. I really, really encourage you to go there, uh, to follow them. Uh, it is it is great uh, information, uh, particularly for those of us who um, care very, very much about what is going on at our uh, at our border, Border Hawk News. Go there and find out. Also, I want to remind everyone, once again, that our program is pre-recorded. Okay, that means you don't call the, you don't need to call the uh, station for comments right now or anything of the nature. If you want to contact me, my friends, and I really, really encourage you to do so. If you want to contact me, you can do it through the station, KLUP 9:30 AM radio in San Antonio, or through social media. I am all over the place on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I am on uh, MeWe as well as on uh, uh, what's the other one called? Oh, it's Link LinkedIn. Uh, I am all over the place, so <clears throat> you can you can find me very very easily. Uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. All right, so let's jump into uh, who our guests are because uh, we need to, to get going on this show. I thought I would um, rerun. A, an interview that we did with Mr. Tom Holman, the former <clears throat> ICE director under Trump. Um, Mr. Holman, I did this uh, interview with Mr. Holman uh, back in, uh, in in January of 2021, a year ago, a little over a year ago, when uh, the Biden administration came in and immediately started dismantling everything that Trump had done. And he projected, he profited, uh, prophesied, that uh, we would have a problem, my friends. We would have a problem. And sure enough, here we are uh, about 16 months later, and, and the place is a mess, an absolute mess. And it's getting worse. Over 2 million illegal aliens in the country. And the question is, how are we ever going to get them out? How are we ever going to get them out? And we don't know who they are. I mean, we're in a war with Russia. Heaven only knows how many of them are, are, are folks who have been planted as cells. Uh, we certainly know we've got criminals among them. Uh, they get stopped all the time. I mean, it's a, it's a mess, my friends. So uh, we'll hear from Tom Holman, that rerun. Uh, we also have Mr. Alan Wall. Mr. Wall uh, put together a pamphlet about uh, human trafficking that's very, very good. You'll want to hear about him. Uh, he is, uh, he's got this fan fantastic pamphlet that uh, I really encourage everyone to, to uh, check out. We then have Miss Leslie Sanchez. Miss Leslie Sanchez is... Uh, a um, political consultant in Washington, D.C., and uh, she's going to be chatting with us about um, particularly the women, the Hispanic women that uh, are very, very active in Texas in uh, winning their primaries and moving on to challenge uh, Hispanic, uh, Hispanic Democrat males. It's going to be very, very interesting. So uh, uh, she's got her perspective on this, and we certainly will, will, will want to hear it. You'll certainly want to hear it. Our final guest is uh, former Congressman Francisco Kiko Canseco, good friend of mine, uh, also a Laredo native. Uh, and he's going to be chatting with us not only about the issue of uh, the elections, but election and voter fraud, my friends. This past week, 
<laughs> Amazingly, this past week, it was announced that uh, Harris County, which is Houston, Texas, uh, they found uh, some 5,000 ballots that had been missing. Now, uh, this, while, uh, you know, in a, in a heavy Democrat uh, county in Texas, this, while uh, the mainstream media in Texas is freaking out because uh, over 27,000 uh, mail-in ballots uh, were disqualified because they weren't properly filled out, okay? Uh, amazing, amazing how, how two-faced Democrats and liberals are. Amazing. So you want to hear that. So, uh, my friends, thank you again for joining us. Uh, call your friends. Tell them to uh, listen in. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM. Let's go to our first guest. Welcome, folks. Stay tuned. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And we've got our good buddy, uh, Mr. Tom Holman, uh, former ICE director under the uh, Trump administration. Uh, and uh, we uh, wanted to get him on here because uh, if anybody's an expert and has been on the front lines of what's happening with immigration, uh, it's Tom. Uh, he's in high demand now because, uh, well, everybody's, I mean, any, anybody that cares about the country is, is panicking about what everything the, uh, the administration, the Biden-Harris administration is doing. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Um, what are your thoughts and views on all the things that these folks are doing, uh, especially since there's a caravan approaching our uh, our border? Well, the, what the Biden administration is doing is trying to tear down everything President Trump has done to secure our border and to enforce immigration law. And, and you know, President Trump was very successful, right? Illegal immigration was down nearly 80%, depending on what much you look at, uh, from the high during the surge. And he did this on his own, right? He did it by having agreements with Mexico and Central America that no other president has ever even been able to achieve. He, he built in that wall. He has a remaining Mexico program. ICE was able to do their job. And I've said for a long time, uh, the new, no one's ever going to abolish ICE. It's, it's just it's, that's a task too far. But what the Biden administration has done is they, they've, they've crippled ICE with, between funding you know, ICE lost over $300 million for detention funding, which means they are now went from 52,000 beds to 31,000 detention beds. And on top of that, you got this new memorandum that came out from the acting secretary that was written by the White House that basically shuts ICE down. ICE is not allowed to pick up criminals from jails anymore unless they're convicted of an aggravated felony, which means most criminal aliens will walk out of jail and back into our neighborhoods. So they've also told them they're going to put a, a, a freeze on deportation for at least 100 days which is a clear violation of the law, a clear violation of these officers' oaths. When, 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 these, when we give them due process, and we go against due process in immigration courts, the federal courts, taxpayers pay a lot of money for that. And when a federal judge says, you must leave this country in order you removed, then you got the, the White House coming out with policy, no, you're not gonna remove anybody uh, except terrorists. You're asking ICE to ignore a judge's order uh, and not do their job. And if you and I ignore a judge's order, we go to jail. So this basically shuts down ICE operations. It's, it's a terrible, uh, uh, a terrible thing they did. It's going to result in more criminals being released in the street. So they're protecting criminal illegal aliens and not protecting the law-abiding, tax-paying citizens of this country. Now the Texas Attorney General filed suit. Uh, I'm, I'm assisting with that, and uh, they had a 14-day uh, stay on this so they can consider another hearing. So what your listeners need to do is get on the phone, call their congressional representatives, and 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 demand that they do everything they can to fight to keep our border secure and to let ICE do their job. And, and you know, it's like a multi-pronged attack on uh, on immigration control and border security because you've, we've also had some uh, sheriffs uh, in certain uh, states, like in Georgia and in North Carolina, openly declare that they are not going to cooperate with ICE anymore uh, on the 287G program. Which uh, I mean, it, to me, the, all that doesn't is endanger people locally. Well, the sheriff forgot who they are, who they represent, right? Yeah. So I've said many times when a law enforcement officer, a sheriff, chooses to release a public safety threat back into the public, rather than giving them over to ICE, he forgot the oath he took. His number one responsibility is to protect the citizens of his community, and you don't do that by releasing public safety threats back into the public. That's just dumb, right? So I've said many times, any sheriff that does that 
should take that badge off his chest and put it in a desk drawer because he stopped being a law enforcement officer and became a politician. They say they do it to protect the immigrant community so victim witnesses can come forward and trust the police. That is that is a that is the biggest lie I've ever heard because ICE don't want to talk to the witness or victim. They have no concern. They, they're looking for the bad guy. They want access to the jail where the sheriff has already locked the guy in a jail cell because he's either a public safety threat or a flight risk. They chose to arrest that guy and put him in a jail cell. That's the person we want to talk to. So I'll argue against them. It doesn't protect witnesses and, 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 and victims of crime when you release a perpetrator back into the community where the victim and victim and, 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 and lives within the community. The victim witnesses live in that community. Do they, they, you think they want to see the bad guy back in their community? It, so this whole thing's a lie. And I've said it many times, if we can't get the bad guy to jail, we're going into the community to find him. And we do that, we're probably going to find others. Wow. Others that weren't on our radar. How does that protect the immigrant community? And you release a public safety threat back in the immigrant community, you're reoffending that very community in which he lives, which means the immigrant community is at greater risk of more crime. How does that protect victims and witnesses? So the whole, the whole false narrative that sanctuary cities are important to protect the immigrant community is nothing, it's nothing but a false narrative. They're lying to their constituency, and the constituency needs to hold them accountable. That's right. That's right. Uh, on another point, is uh, are, are we headed uh, to becoming the world's orphanage again as uh, all of these uh, unaccompanied minors continue to come across? Yes, and you can thank you can thank the, the judge in Washington D.C. The same judge that was attacking Michael Flynn ruled that um, the the, uh, the the Title Forty Two COVID uh, uh, policy, where we return people directly across the border because of the pandemic. He says you can do that, but you can't do that for um, UACs on a company and children from Central America. Why? I don't know. But we're already taking a lot of UACs in the custody here in the United States. At least 15% of them have COVID, which is going to affect other kids in HHS custody, which you know, we're importing COVID on purpose. I mean, if you're a citizen of Mexico, we can turn a uh, child from Mexico, we can turn you right, turn around right back to Mexico if you're not a victim of trafficking. There's a different set of rules for Central Americans. And this judge has played upon that. So, yeah, the, 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 the success President Trump has had is being chipped away every day. And we expect more executive actions this week that's going to open that border up. Wow. I, you know, it, it's one thing after another. It's one thing after another. I mean, it's a full-scale attack. Um, the release of the, of the detainees uh, and, and uh, the end of the stay in, in, uh, in, in Mexico policy, uh, it, it's incredible. I mean... Um, they had talked about abolishing ICE, and they seem to be moving certainly in in that direction. And as far as uh, border immigrant border uh, security, uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about this this situation. Since we're in Texas, um, uh, I understand that you're working a little bit with the um, uh, with the with the AG, the Texas AG, on the uh, uh, lawsuit against the uh, Biden administration. Tell us a little bit about that, if you can. Well, look, you know, God bless Texas, right? I mean, uh, you got a governor there, an attorney general that believes in the rule of law. When they saw this memo come out saying ICE couldn't do what I just said, you know, they can't pick criminals up from jail, they can't deport criminals. Your, your Texas, your great Texas governor over there, and the attorney general says, no, that is a clear violation of law. We we have a huge uh, area we, we share on the border. They, you know, they, they have more uh, border area than the other state. This is going to directly affect them because, again, not only is this going to endanger your communities in Texas when when criminals get released from jails back in the community and ICE can't deport criminals that have a final order that have significant criminal histories, that endangers the citizens of Texas. So, so your, your, your governor and your attorney general stepping up saying, no, we're not going to allow you to put our citizens at greater risk of, of crime, greater risk of harm. So God bless them. And uh, there's other states I hear now are going to join that lawsuit, but Texas, again, once again, is, is led by example that, no, we're not going to tolerate lawlessness, not only in this country, but specifically in the state of Texas. So they got a 14-day stay uh, from that order, and uh, they're going to continue fighting, and I'll continue to assist anybody I can, anytime I can, to make sure we, do, we, we enforce the laws of this country. And Again, Texas is head and shoulders above. They've done it many times before. And uh, they've been very successful with this one. We just continue to wish them success and hopefully get this whole thing squashed. Yeah, one of, I think one of the things that really uh, surprised Democrats a lot, not to mention the media, was the number of uh, Hispanics along the border that uh, voted for Trump. 
Uh, I think there was a great deal of anticipation that because of his strong stand on on immigration that somehow uh, all these uh, Americans of Mexican descent were somehow going to side with uh, the illegal aliens. But, uh, oh, excuse me for using that phrase. <laughs> but uh, uh, just out of, uh, you know, they, 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 they were shocked that there are so many people that... Um, that back Trump and want a strong border, and we, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 it is, it was uh, evident in the in the election. Uh, in closing, real quick, buddy, um, what uh, what do you think uh, we need to do here in the grassroots? What 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 needs to be done so that we can protect our border, so we can protect ourselves? We need to we need to hold our congressional representative responsible. We need to call them. We need to write letters. Tell them stand by the, the rule of law in this country. You need to be loud. Look, no other. You know, I, I've done interviews with Fox, uh, Fox, Fox News on this because you know I, I do a lot of interviews with Fox. But you know, no other networks talking about CNN is talking about MSN. None of these other networks are talking about the damage that this immigration plan has. And and what's really sad is that the White House wrote this plan in a vacuum. No one from operation, no one from ICE was at that table, no one from CBP was at that table. So you got people who have know nothing about border security, nothing about border enforcement, nothing about the immigration laws of this country are writing policies to direct those that do know, those that are standing on the line, on how not to do their job. It's a travesty. You know, at least during the Obama administration, you know, when they, they were making all these changes, they brought me and the board to the table. We didn't like what we heard, but we heard and we planned accordingly so we, we weren't caught flat-footed and, 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 and didn't know what to do. This latest memo came out of the blind with no notice. Now the agencies have run around trying to figure out how they, how they implement this, how they make this work without putting the community at risk. So, once again, this, this new administration is out. They're, they're out to undo everything President Trump has did. I think it's out of spite because there's no downside in securing this border. President Trump's been very successful. If they were smart, they build upon that success and secure that border. Then they can talk about amnesty. They can talk about immigration reform once they have a secure border. So they're doing it, they're doing it you know, butt-ass backwards again. They want to reward illegal behavior and not secure the border. As a matter of fact, they want to reward illegal behavior and give an amnesty while opening the floodgates. And I've said many times, it's like you're rolling a boat. you got to plug that hole rather than keep bailing water. Plug the hole first. That's what they need to do. So your listeners need to start raising a little hell and get loud. Uh, take a page out of their plate, but they've been doing the last four years. We can't sit still and let this happen. You got it, buddy. We've been talking with uh, our, our good friend Tom Holman, former uh, ICE director and uh, now advocate for our border security. Tom, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. You got it. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. You got it. George Rodriguez at Conservador talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, sponsored by BorderHawk.News. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism. Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. News. Howdy once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer here in San Antonio. And we've got uh, a new guest, Mr. Alan Wall, who is an author of a pamphlet on human trafficking that uh, I uh, picked up not too long ago. I wanted to get him on the show because... Human trafficking continues to be a big problem, a big issue, along with all the crime and criminals that are coming across the border, along with uh, the fentanyl and just the general invasion that we've got going on. So, uh, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. Tell me why. How, how did you uh, why did you write this uh, this uh, uh, pamphlet and how did you get involved? Well, I, I write blog entries for the uh, U.S. Incorporated website, which uh, which I've seen your work there too as well. That's where I I enjoyed reading your your work. And well, the uh, the CEO Isabel Lyman she commissioned me to write this this book this booklet. 
And it's actually the third edition of the booklet that the uh, this organization has made. So she asked me to write this edition, which is the third edition, uh, which, by the way, is a, a free of charge to anybody who wants it. Uh, you can order it at, at a, uh, a an email. Just write an email, and, and it'll be sent to you free of charge. So she asked me to write this and, and commissioned it. It was, it was my summer project, so I worked on it. And, of course... We know how the mainstream media is. They don't really report on a lot of things like this. So I had to get a lot of my information from local news sources because these were stories about people who had been victimized by uh, illegal immigration. And so, you know, they're not going to advertise that on the mainstream media. So you, you go into local news stories, you can you can find more information about it. And it was very... Uh, it's not pleasant reading, you know, as as you may guess. It's not pleasant reading, but it is a big problem that uh, our country is facing, and, and which is actually getting worse now. But it's, you know, people need to know about it and, and the gravity of, of what is happening. Let me ask you, uh, is the trafficking that goes on, tell the audience, if the trafficking that goes on, does it go in both directions, from the U.S. to Mexico and from Mexico to the U.S.? Well, yes. I mean, it's it's a big problem all over. And, and you think about, uh, for example, well, San Antonio, for example. Uh, you know, you've got I-35, you've got I-10. And so it, it's a perfect hub for human trafficking and, and other types of smuggling. And so, and it goes right right down to Laredo, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is, and a lot of cities are like that. You know, you've got all these connections here. And so it, it's just a, a horrible underbelly of, of something that's going and, and really if you think of it uh, the human trafficking it's it's really a, a modern form of slavery and and a lot a lot of horrible things that, that go on can you give us yeah. a, a couple of examples a couple of stories that uh, you learned while you were doing your research well that my research was mostly about uh, stories it would be stories like about uh, people who were victimized by uh, killed by illegal aliens and what what I found out there, there's a common pattern that just keeps popping up again and again. You'll have a somebody comes here illegally, and he'll he might be deported once or twice, but he comes back, and he gets in trouble for other things too. You know, he'll get in trouble for like uh, other violent actions or different crimes, and for some reason he keeps getting released. It's just so frustrating to see this happening. He'll he'll get released again and again, and uh, some really terrible stories, you know, about people who were who were victims. Uh, some of them were immigrants themselves, you know, who were victims of of that, these people. That's very very interesting because uh, we have discovered that here in San Antonio, we have a district attorney that um, was elected um, with George Soros money, oh, and the, and the district attorney has been right meeting. There, yeah. yeah, the district attorney has been meeting with a a leftist group also funded by George Soros and the Obama folks, uh, a group called TOP. And this group, TOP, we have found out that they will bail out repeat offenders. And some of these repeat offenders have committed crimes, uh, have uh, gone back and, you know, raped somebody or assaulted somebody, committed a theft, whatever. Uh, It's very, very interesting how, you know, these folks encourage criminal activity. Oh, exactly. It's terrible. Yes. So uh, this is a pattern. You're saying that, it, you know, it's not just an isolated situation that, uh, you know, where we've got a rogue district attorney. You think that this is a pattern across the country? Yes, it is. It's a pattern, and it happens again and again. Uh, and, and these stories, I have I have 16 little stories, and they're, they're 400 words long. So if you get the booklet, it, it's easy reading in the sense that they're very short essays. It's difficult reading, and it's such, you know, horrible stories. Like, there, I had one story about an immigrant from Cuba who was murdered by another immigrant from Cuba. And actually, her name, she changed her name to America when she became a citizen. And she was killed by this other immigrant from Cuba who, he was just a psycho. I mean, this guy was a psycho, and they kept he kept getting out. You know, it's just amazing. They're not, these people, they're not deported, or they're not, you know, detained longer. And, of course, we have these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states and sanctuary counties, and that adds to the problem. And, in a way, it's kind of a preview of, of what's going to happen to the same, I mean, to the whole country, if, you know, the Biden administration policies continue. Oh, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? 
Buddy, tell uh, tell tell the folks how they can again tell them where they can get the pamphlet and how they can get a hold of it. Well, certainly, if you write to, okay, I'll, I'll just give you the email address. I Z Z Y. That's Izzy. Uh, no capital letters, just I Z Z Y at usinc.org. So that would be U-S-I-N-C dot O-R-G. Got you. And, and, and all they have to do is just ask for a pamphlet and they'll, they'll get it, huh? Right. It's the victims. You could call it the victims booklet or the victims, uh, victims of illegal immigration. Well, she'll know, you know, when she gets yeah. it. It's, uh, and it's being distributed, like I say, free of charge. And I think it's very useful for people... Well, for anybody, but it's, but also for people maybe who aren't really in the know on this yet to educate them about, you know, what is happening. And there are a lot of politicians that need to be educated, folks. Oh, yeah, they're first in line, those guys, yes. <laughs> there are a lot. We've been speaking with our good friend Alan Wall, who is a... Um, who has written a pamphlet about human trafficking and the crime, uh, the, the victims of, uh, of illegal alien uh, human trafficking. Alan, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again. Well, thank you. It's a great honor to be on your show. I appreciate your work. Thank you very much. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, and we've got a new guest with us. I wanted to reach out to her because, uh, obviously, we've just had uh, the primary elections, and, and a lot of discussion went on regarding two things, the number of uh, Hispanic Republican women that uh, were involved, as well as the uh, amount of Hispanic Republicans or Hispanics that turned out for the Republican Party. So I wanted to uh, reach out. We've got Miss Leslie Sanchez, who is a uh, political strategist. She's based in D.C., and uh, she's also an author. We'll talk about that. But, um, Leslie, welcome to the show. Uh, talk to us. Tell us about this past election and what you th what, what are your thoughts regarding uh, the uh, Hispanic vote and the number of Hispanic women that uh, that ran? It's exciting. Thank you so much for having me. You know, South Texas, uh, people have been looking and watching the Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley area and South Texas, uh, mostly since uh, former President Trump's big wins down there in the 2020 election, and people were wondering what was happening, uh, how could someone like Trump, they would think, win tremendous support, especially among Hispanic populations. And for people that are from Texas, know Texas, live in the frontera along the U.S.-Mexico border, there's a strong understanding of the issues down there and that the lack of attention that's been focused on them. So what's exciting now is, is you see a lot more national attention, a lot more dollars going down there, but more importantly, there have been a lot of Latina Republicans who have thrown their hat in the ring, some for open seats, some in contested areas, mostly in areas that have traditionally been Democratic, but they are filling that void as conservative, non-traditional candidates, and their appeal is tremendous. They're getting national attention. And they're really formidable. Uh, so it, they can uh, not only shift history in the state of Texas, being the first Latina Republicans ever elected from Texas to the, to the House of Representatives to Congress, but also break open the doorway uh, for Republican candidates in Texas and the South. Now, let me ask you this, because so much is always said about Hispanics and immigration, almost like we're tied together. The two issues, the two, uh, the, the two are always uh, mentioned like uh, there's a symbiotic relationship. However, right. there is, uh, I mean, we know the border is out of control. And, uh, and some of the greatest impacts that the uh, Republican Party has made has been in those areas that uh, are on the borderlands. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, I'm from Corpus Christi. You know, the gateway to the valley and, and uh, from five generations of Texans. So going back to the, to the King Ranch at Kingsville. And anybody who's 
who has family there, history there, property there, understands exactly what you're talking about. Like the, uh, the U.S. border issue, the border security issue is part and parcel of what it's like to live on the border. But for some reason, people think that is the only area tied to immigration. They think it's, uh, when they think about the Hispanic population, that we are front and center going to focus on immigration as opposed to things like we talked about, border security, property rights, um, being able to have successful businesses that have commerce moving back and forth legally across the border. There are other more sophisticated dynamics that happen for Hispanics, particularly Mexican-Americans in South Texas or anywhere in Texas. And I think that gets lost in the conversation. The, the thing I say about immigration, immigration is not the top issue. If you want to kind of group Latinos together and Hispanic voters together, I don't like to do that. But if you did, I don't think immigration is top of mind for this community. But it is a lens by which many in the Hispanic population will view a candidate. They will view how they talk about uh, the issue. Do they dehumanize people? Can they talk about it in a way that understands the nuance of people supporting legal immigration, people supporting legal commerce, and how they that is part of their livelihood? Livelihood, or that they have family and they're and in the day, if you remember, we used to talk about people would go back and forth across the border for weddings or to shop or have dinner, and it has become such a volat, uh, volatile area and a crime rapid and the drug cartels are rapid, that it is not the safe uh, communities that they were, that our, our generations ago, our grandparents talked about. And they'd like to see more stability there uh, for, for their family, uh, for their security. So it's, it's one of those issues that get, gets lost and confused. But I think if you speak to anybody who really lives in these states, they can tell you very clearly what they think about it. What about, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm glad to, that you mentioned that you're from, from Corpus because I was just down in, uh, in beautiful little Three Rivers and, and uh, Refugio the other day, and uh, I stopped to fill up my brand-new King Ranch truck. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and it was $90. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Leslie, I don't know how people that live in the rural areas are going to do it. I really don't. No, it's $100 every time now, filling up your truck. Um, you know, it's funny. There's, there's always that story in my family. I don't know about anybody else's family. My mother waits until the line is, like, on E, and then she'll fill it up with $5. I'm like, Mom, I don't know why we do that. But that was always the way it was. Now, with prices being so high, I can only imagine you get a, a gallon of gas for that. So it it is really having a picture of people that are in rural areas, right? Isn't that a big part of the growth, um, both the agricultural growth, uh, that's a big part of, of Texas, uh, Texas economy, but just the, the dependence on our vehicles in, in such a vast state, it is a really painful point for anybody living in the Lone Star State. You got it. I mean, I, I really, I really have no idea how this, you know, how folks are going to are going to make it if it continues to to climb and and go higher. And I can't, again, I cannot believe that it's not going to impact on on Democrats. I mean, I just can't. When you're filling your tank, paying those higher prices, it doesn't make a difference whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, lean one way or the other. You feel it in your pocketbook. I mean, money doesn't care. Um, what your political stripes are. Uh, and that's the sensibility that people have, and that's the frustration people have about a lot of lawmakers who don't seem to understand the reality of what they're trying to do in their livelihood, um, how many of these regulations or how many of these uh, policies really impact their, their families on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's why uh, I think right now, more than ever, you're seeing different and hearing different voices come to the table. People that traditionally didn't run for office are stepping in because they want to try something different, right? They they want to do it in a way they feel is more reflective of their reality. And we need to see that many of those are conservative voices, have been in, you know, for generations in our state. And I think that's what's exciting about perhaps changing some of those policies. Now, now you know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I have a tendency to think that we don't need a Hispanic uh, message. We need a, a an, an American economic freedom, political freedom message 
uh, in our community. Uh, folks care just about as uh, just just the same, regardless of their names being Gonzalez or Rodriguez, uh, about the same issues that any other American cares about. I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, for years I've said there, I, I agree with you. There's not Hispanic issues. There's American issues, right? And it's funny when I uh, talk around the country. Uh, somebody asked me just recently, uh, um, you know, what are you? Where, the people are still asking me this question, you know, and I said, I'm American. That's, you know, that's <laughs> very, so very easy. Thank you for asking. Um, I leave my flag out the door. But um, the, the, the reality is, it, again, it, as families are diversifying, as families are growing and, and growing their businesses and their children are going off and, and you know, building and, and being successful in their own lives, people are not thinking about, culture first as much as economic opportunity in the state what you know what is it meeting my needs is it supporting my family and increasingly it doesn't really it, it, the cultural aspects again are one of those lenses we view you know our, our family our faith it's part of our dna but it doesn't necessarily define us as unique in a way that is that is different from any other american and that's the beauty of this country. It's, it, it, uh, it doesn't have limits on, on those things. But the issues, you know, affect everyday people. What is different now, and I, and I would argue that, is that for many times people didn't think about this community. They didn't go and encourage, kind of get out the vote as, as much. Or they assumed that everybody was ethnically the same. They're going to vote in solidarity. And that's just not the case. Increasingly, uh, Hispanic voters are the jump ball in politics. They want to be. They want to be part of the conversation. You got it, Leslie. Thank you very, very much for taking some time. We're going to have to get you back on as the as the election season continues, because I really, really would like to hear more uh, of your thoughts and, and what you're saying. Tell the folks about your your book. I have a book I wrote uh, several years ago. Actually, it's not a new book, but it's become uh, a big talking point right now because it was prescient and thinking about. Uh, Latino voters, um, where they were going, what they were doing, and the conservative bent. It's called Los Republicanos, Why Hispanics and Republicans Need Each Other. It breaks down the you know how Hispanics are wired, exactly the issues you and I just talked about. Um, are there Hispanic issues or American issues? And the types of leaders uh, that are going to do incre- increasingly well. So excited to be part of that conversation. It seems new to some people, but for folks like yourself who've been in this uh, conversation for a really long time. It's exciting to see these issues coming to the forefront, and I'm I'm glad to join you in that conversation. You got it. Well, we're, we've been speaking with uh, Miss Leslie Sanchez, who is a uh, political consultant and strategist in Washington D.C. Leslie, we got to get you back on the show again. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador on KLUP 9:30 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, former congressman, Francisco Kiko Canseco. Uh, I thought that uh, we would reach out to him. We had him on the show yesterday, last week, but we didn't finish uh, chatting with uh, the many issues that we really, really want to talk to him about. Foremost among them is the issue of voter fraud and voter integrity, or election fraud and election integrity, should I say. Um, There is a very, very powerful uh, uh, bill that was passed, a law that was passed in Texas regarding election uh, integrity. And uh, we want to chat a little bit about that, as well as uh, the whole issue of election fraud. How the heck does it happen? And, uh, you know, a classic example, something that happened in Harris County this past uh, week, where suddenly some ballots were found 
And, uh, you know, again, how does this happen and what the heck is going on? What's what's a remedy for it? Kiko, thank you for taking time to be with us. Talk to us. What what are your thoughts on voter integrity and election integrity and election fraud? Well, George, thank you for having me on your show. And, and I, I'm very happy to be here and talk to your audience and, and uh, discuss with you these very important issues. You know, for the longest time, um, there was there's been a lot of election fraud. Uh, in simpler times, ballots would be stuffed. Uh, people that weren't allowed to vote would vote, uh, and people would get away with it. And it would happen that one side, the more conservative side, would allow it to get away from them because they would cower under the idea, well, you know, I'm not going to make a stink about it because it'll shine on me and and I'm 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 not ready to to defend that situation. But what happened is that we all saw what happened in twenty twenty. And and I will tell you from my vantage point, when I served as the director of the election integrity uh project for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, I found that election fraud has become very, very sophisticated to the point where it can be very easily denied when in reality it's there, but it's so complicated to tell you because it's gotten very sophisticated. You know, just as one example, in the 2020 uh, election, funds were coming in from Soros and from uh, uh, Zuckerberg, from uh, Facebook, and questionably from out of the country and going into a private nonprofit company in Chicago. And those funds were going not to fund candidates, but to fund democratically controlled elections offices so that those election offices can hire uh, election minions that work for a particular cause or candidate so that they can bring in however way they can, whether falsified or not, an enormous amount of votes and change the vote. And on top of that, you had uh, courts and governors changing election law when under the federal constitution, that election law can only be changed by the legislatures of the particular states. Um, and then you've got the issue, uh, as in Texas you do, where there are two ways of registering people to vote. One of them is the voter voter law, which is almost pretty secure. And then you've got the ones where partisans go out there and try and meet quotas of people to register, and they register anybody and everybody, whether they exist or they don't exist, whether they're dead or alive, citizen or not, and they bring them in. And many times they warehouse those things at a certain address. You know, I remember block walking in one of the counties and you see this vacant lot with all these 12 mailboxes and you have all these people registered to vote in those mailboxes. Or block walking in El Paso County where I had a huge slot of people uh, that were registered to vote and they would tell me, no, senor, we're not citizens, but they're registered to vote and those votes get counted. So election fraud is something very, very, very real. And in order to combat that, the Texas legislature got together and passed something that takes away the candy from people that have been using a lot of tricks and a lot of techniques in order to cheat elections. Uh, usually, you know, cutting down the 24-hour uh, the voting uh, situation that some counties like Houston had, where they could vote for 24 hours a day rather than just the time that it's open, no more than 12 hours, uh, drive-through voting, uh, which really reeks of, of fraud, uh, vote by mail without any kind of identification where you can match people. You know, you go to vote at a polling place and you've got your voter ID and a picture ID. And yet when you voted uh, by mail, no such security was there. So you could have anybody by Perico de los Palotes uh, could be voting there under the name of Juan Gonzalez or, or John Smith. 
and and they get their vote. And then on solicitation of mail-in ballots. So what it really is, is you're taking away the candy that was available to certain parties that used it notoriously to cheat. And now it's been taken away. So naturally, they're going to be complaining about it. And they're going to be raising all sorts of false things that you're taking away the vote. Nobody's vote is being taken away from, except for those that, that cheat and violate it. But, you know, that is the, the state of where we are. And, and more to the point in, in Harris County, the problem with Harris County is that it is a huge, huge county. And they have what they call uh, countywide voting. Whereas here in Bear County, we've got precinct voting. Imagine you go to a precinct here in Bear County and you vote. You can't, I can't go to your precinct, George, to vote. And you can't come to mine. But we certainly can vote in our precincts. And what does that do? Well, it puts that precinct in charge of a judge and, and other things so that if you come in as a voter from another precinct, they're going to tell you, no, we're not going to have your vote. Whereas in Houston, you can go anywhere within the county of Harris and vote, whether you are from the way northeast side of Houston down to the southwest corner of Harris County and vote at any precinct that you want. And what that does is that it complicates things and it makes things a lot easier to cheat and a lot easier to lose count of things. They like that. It is a democratically controlled county. And as a consequence, when you have more confusion, it's easier to cheat. <laughs> so so that's that's my analysis of what's happening in, in Harris County. You know, we've got now in some places like San Francisco, and uh, I believe Boston was going to do it. We've got uh, some situa- some places where they are now going to allow uh, undocumented folks to, uh, to uh, go ahead and vote. Uh, something that, you know, I, I know that uh, uh, my dad, my grandparents in Laredo used to fight against, and here they're going to do it now, uh, just flatly allow it. Do you think that's going to complicate things even more? Absolutely. Absolutely, but so be it with with California. It's not Texas, and 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 let me let me tell you. I, my wife always criticizes me for using analogies. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I went to uh, uh, a friend's house in Evansville, Indiana, uh, in 1965. No, 64 for Thanksgiving because it was too 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 short a time to fly back home to have it with my family. And that Friday after Thanksgiving, they had the Battle of the Bands. Now, this was way before cell phones. And in the Battle of the Bands, you'd go and listen on the radio, and you'd make calls for who you voted for. And you could make as many as, as five calls from the same phone, and you'd win. <laughs> you know, you'd go out there, and as many calls as you'd make for Band A, um, you know, you could just dial it up and and jam up the phones and, and make sure that your favorite band wins. Well, that's exactly what it does when you open it up. Yep. What is to keep all of these 2 million immigrants coming in, illegal immigrants coming in, and all of a sudden exercising their vote and come back? Who is controlling this country? Who's controlling the state of Texas? Yep. Exactly. That is wrong. That is wrong. And, and what is even more wrong is something that I've said before, although it has problems constitutionally, is why is the main guy that's running on the left for our state governor being supported not by Texans, but by people from California and and Oregon and Washington and possibly from out of the country? Exactly. What do they have to do with Texas? That's wrong. And we're seeing it with our our, our county uh, district attorneys that are being supported not by local people in the county that they're running for, but by people from way out of state. Exactly. Look what's happening. Look what's happening to your friend Henry Cuellar. Yep. Uh, he's being challenged by AOC. 
Is she from Texas? Does she have Texas values? No, she doesn't. So the fact of the matter is that we have election systems that have that have now outgrown and the and and the sophistication has grown to the point where it is easy to cheat and it is easy to come in and inject policies and ideas that are anathema to the local community or to the community or to this country. Exactly, exactly. We've got we've got folks putting in their two cents that don't even live in our area. Let me uh, let me uh, ask you to um, we've got to we've got to uh, conclude here. But uh, give me your concluding thoughts on on this on this situation. Do we have uh, is there light at the end of the tunnel? I think there is. I think that uh, again, what happened in 2020 has awakened uh, among the population, not just in Texas, but around the country, to the idea of the integrity of our election. If we have no faith in the results of an election, then we have a weak democracy and a dictatorship because half of that is the idea of, well, of a pure democracy, half of it is the idea well, I wasn't for that guy, but he got a legitimate vote. He's the guy. As opposed to something smells very, very bad, he could not have won. And that affects us all, and it's wrong. And we need to inject back all these security things uh, and measures in order to make sure that the faith in the population, in the results of an election, whether you like the results or not, is true and correct and that can only happen with transparency it can only happen with systems that are going to assure all of us that every citizen's vote was counted and that anybody that tried to cheat was locked out period excellent kiko thank you very very much for joining us again this week Uh, on the contrary george happy to be here and if you want me to talk about something else, I would be more than happy. <laughs> I will be in touch. I will be in touch. <laughs> you take care. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.